0: what may be more common in a primary care environment where a person may see their physician every three months, every six months, but when addressing a substance use disorder, frequently that contact can be once a week, every day, every two days for, for that kind of support. So looking at ways for us to maintain connection and provide treatment for somebody who is interested in care and very proud to say that that has not been interrupted during the, this crisis. Welcome to 20
1: Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, alongside my co-host, Chris Kazuski. Today, our special guests are Dr. Soteri Polidoro. He's the Medical Director of Addiction Services for Northwell Health. And joining us virtually today on Zoom is Dr. Herschel Karani. He's the Medical Director of Wellbridge, Thank you so much for joining us. COVID has affected people in so many ways. It's been such a tough year, and one of the things that we're seeing is a rise in addiction. So, just tell us what is happening and 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 what is happening with with people turning to substance abuse.
0: Sure. Uh, thank you, Rob, and thank you, Chris, um, for being part of the conversation. Um, you know, it's been really a, a rather difficult year for so many. Um, for people in our communities, for families, for our nation, for the entire world during this pandemic. And so I think, you know, many um, are certainly working to continue to be flexible and adaptable during these very difficult times. And like everyone else, uh, you know, some people who have had a history of substance use have been triggered by the process and have that added strain and difficulty has led to more difficult challenges, um, potentially related to picking up using um, certainly, there have been many people who have um started to drink or started to use drugs in ways that can be uh, harmful. And so these are the types of things that we've been thinking about and concerned about, certainly over the past year. And we've started to see some very concerning trends, um, some trends that indicate these increased use, increased risk of use, increasing use, and you know really, really sadly, Particularly, increases in the number of overdoses that we've seen. And so that's a really kind of tragic information that we've started to see over the past year, in areas that we are very focused on trying to address to make sure that people who are um, struggling, people who just want to understand, you know how potentially, Uh, different substances are affecting them to kind of learn more and even consider treatment if that's something that's appropriate that all those avenues are available to people in ways that are accessible to them is this
2: a a result of like high anxiety and i you know the isolation and and you know people quarantining is this a result of that
0: well you know part of it certainly is related to the stress that somebody is experiencing, how they're uh, dealing with sometimes some of those stress and some of those hardships, but you know it's important for us to consider really what an addiction is and the way that we understand an addiction is that it is a treat is it's a treatable chronic illness uh, that encompasses uh, a number of different factors, including physiologic factors, genetic factors, environmental factors. So. Chris, when you when you note kind of the stress and some of the triggers, certainly that would be an environmental factor. But what we also understand is that, you know, it is particularly characterized by sort of compulsive drug seeking um, and use despite a number of negative consequences. So simply the stress doesn't necessarily lead to all those other factors, but could be a component for some people.
1: Dr. Herschel Karania, Medical Director of WellBridge, uh, who's joining us via Zoom. Tell us a little bit about well, WellBridge and what it offers.
3: Hi there. Thank you both for having me. And uh, I certainly want to echo some of the uh, challenging, challenging issues that Dr. Polyduro is raising. Uh, I'll start by just framing a little bit about what WellBridge is. Uh, we're uh, the, the product of uh, almost 10 year effort. Uh, on the part of Northwell Health in joint venture with Engel Berman, which is a private real estate development group in Long Island, uh, and the founder of Wellbridge, Andrew Drazen, uh, to bring forward uh, a remarkably new approach to addiction care. And in so many ways, uh, in a broader arena of addiction, uh, I'd say that one of the critical questions and, and open challenges remains how do we engage more patients? And I think from the very design of WellBridge, we're trying to destigmatize, eliminate some of the unfortunate caricatures that still dominate what addiction care looks like, creating an environment that really honors the dignity of those that are struggling with substance issues uh, and really hopes to invite their families into the process day one. So the uh, really the core vision of Wellbridge was to bring forth a learning laboratory where science would be directly integrated with clinical care. That as clinicians are encountering issues, bringing them to our scientific team, that solutions, strategies evolve within the research framework and then lead, Uh, certainly over time, um, to tangible, actionable treatment strategies,
2: Dr. karani, um so with addiction rising amid the uh, the pandemic here, um, is there anything people who are suffering? Is there anything that they can do?
3: Absolutely. Um, you know, in many ways, the the hallmarks of effective recovery strategies, Focus around creating structure and supports in one's life. And the pandemic, in so many ways, really exquisitely disrupted those very foundations of recovery. What we've observed in WellBridge is that many of individuals that were actually doing well or stable in recovery started to encounter a lot of disruptions in their. The supports that they relied on which culminated in relapse uh, and seeking higher levels of care and finding the ways to reconnect with those supports is one of the essential functions that we have to offer so uh, i think for folks that uh, are in the kind of early phase of uh, either identifying potential challenges with substances uh, to start by just getting informed uh, they uh, Array of resources online. Uh, The ones I most commonly refer folks to would be large uh, government agencies like uh, National Institutes of Drug Abuse, NIAAA, which focuses on uh, issues related to alcohol, uh, as well as SAMHSA. Uh, So these are just great repositories of uh, information to learn more about substance use patterns, but also to find treatment resources that are available Within their local communities,
1: yeah, I think uh, one of the problems with with uh, substance abuse is a lot of times people who are having the problems don't think they're having a problem, and and so how is it for family members or friends or coworkers to approach that subject and say, "Hey, is everything all right?" Is it as simple as saying, "Hey, is everything all right?"
0: So, Rob, that that's a great point, and sometimes it is really just opening up a conversation. Um, again, it's it's so important to recognize. That um, an addiction really is a chronic relapsing disease. And so, having an open, non judgmental conversation, um, recognizing the huge impact it could be for that person, the way that another illness can certainly be for a person, and have that conversation, provide the support, and really relay again some of the resources that Dr. Karani. Um, was able to articulate very clearly that there are so many resources that are available. There are online resources, things like, uh, you know, findtreatment.gov, which is, uh, you know, part of a, of a larger uh, government group that can identify treatment programs throughout the entire country. So irrespective of where somebody is, they can access care that is local to them and start that conversation. That conversation can be had with their local um, healthcare provider, be it a primary care physician or other mental health provider, again, to be open and transparent about some of the challenges um, or simply having conversation to see if it is a challenge. Uh, what
2: about um at northwell i i understand you know we've ramped up telepsych services through this pandemic is that also playing a role here
0: so very much so uh chris Uh, you know the the pandemic had impacted so many of us uh, particularly starting in new york uh, in the spring of last year and that led to a very rapid transition for all of our substance use specialty programs and within northwell we have over 10 programs that are geographically um, throughout the area that that Northwell uh, serves. And all of our outpatient programs rapidly incorporated telehealth um, into their services. And it was certainly at that time a particular challenge um, because frequently care for substance use disorder, irrespective if it's related to alcohol or opiates or other substances, generally include, as Dr. Karani mentioned, a a very comprehensive supportive structure. Usually what that incorporates is regular contact with a person, potentially something that is not what may be more common in a primary care environment where a person may see their physician every three months, every six months. But when addressing a substance use disorder, frequently that contact can be once a week, every two weeks, or potentially every day, every two days for for that kind of support. So looking at ways for us to maintain connection and provide treatment for somebody who is interested in care or having questions about care was critical. So all of our programs, Incorporate Telehealth, all are accessible for anyone who is interested in having that conversation to understand if if treatment might be helpful for them. And very proud to say that that has not been interrupted during the, this crisis, and so how do we move forward is certainly another possible conversation around how we incorporate this kind of engagement, utilizing telehealth, into the future, as we all hope certainly that that the pandemic recedes.
2: Yeah, I, I think it all plays a, plays a role here, and you know, Dr. Karani on the inpatient side, um, Wellbridge opened uh, what was it last May at its grand opening, and it was right in the middle of the pandemic. What were you seeing then uh, when you guys opened your doors uh, in terms of, of this addiction
3: problem? So, uh, you know, much to our surprise, uh, the initial cohort of patients that sought care with us um, were actually a group that historically has not accessed inpatient care. Uh, for one, they tended to be older patients, uh, 55 and above, uh, and it also skewed more towards uh, female patients. I think in some ways, this does speak to some of the specific challenges uh, that women have encountered during the pandemic with increased concerns around the rise in domestic violence, uh, inordinate amount of home stressors uh, kind of disproportionately being navigated uh, by uh, Matriarchs of various families and then the separate piece that uh, as far as older folks uh, that their access to. uh, Health supports the primary care or medical care that uh, previously uh, they were able to more routinely obtain uh, had gotten disrupted. Over time um, we're starting to see now a, a much broader swath of society. As uh, unfortunately is the case, addiction does not discriminate in any way. Uh, And we're seeing uh, patients at at Wellbridge, uh, the youngest group we treat is at 18, uh, but we have seen from 18 all the way to 85. Uh, And quite tragically are anticipating that in the aftermath of the pandemic, uh, that all of these groups uh, are gonna be impacted uh, in increasingly complex ways.
1: Do you see um, some people being more comfortable open? I would assume more people are, um, some people are more comfortable opening up in person, but some people it may be more comfortable for them to do that telehealth uh, visit because they feel more comfortable maybe in their own surrounding. And I think it's super important that people need to be open and honest when
0: they're dealing with these types of things. So, you know, that's a, that's a really important point because as we began to adopt telehealth more comprehensively, we really didn't know the answer to that question. We we really didn't know if a model that had focused on very close engagement with people on potentially a near daily basis with physical visits, seeing um, a healthcare provider, how exactly would that translate? Would there be a huge disconnection that the the telehealth platform would sort of move towards? But what we saw at many of our programs is very good continued engagement um, by patients. And so because of that, we really want to think about this as an opportunity, not just now um, for obvious reasons, again, because of the pandemic, but into the future as just another way that we can provide care for patients and being able to engage with somebody who needs care in all different ways. quite unfortunately, only about one out of 10 people who actually need treatment for substance use disorder get that treatment. And so we really need to think hard about why that is um, and be very honest about why that is. Are there challenges in accessing care? Are there challenges in where care is available? How care is sometimes organized? We just really want to look and conduct the right kind of study so we can address this, this issue
1: yeah want to do some prescriptions? yeah, let's do some prescriptions. So what advice can you offer you know to address um, you know this problem and what, what for people to do and, and to to reach out if they see somebody struggling or if they're struggling themselves?
0: Part of that conversation' it's, it's really important to just be mindful of and, and, and recognize is that treatment for addictions works very well, and so it is sometimes um, Uh, An opportunity to reflect on that, even if you're having a conversation with a loved one who you may be concerned about, that in many modalities of treatment that we use to address different substance use work on par with other medical treatments. So as effective as a blood pressure medication is for high blood pressure or as effective as an inhaler, certain types of inhalers are for asthma. That is a similar efficacy as we kind of describe it as sort of how well something works. Um, Similarly, so are some of our treatments for substance use disorders. So the opportunity to get help, the opportunity to uh, support a person's recovery and get treatment is really an important, um, really important to highlight.
1: Are you surprised sometimes how people realize certain tools and and help that they get can help them really take control?
3: Absolutely. I think one of the most rewarding aspects of of my work is being part of a process that's really nothing short of a transformation where individuals come to realize a level of self efficacy and ability to really impact positive change in their life uh, in ways that uh, they perhaps had never before experienced, Uh, but also within that gaining a sense of self-confidence or restoration of their self-image and a relationship to not only themselves, the people in their lives uh, that don't involve drugs or alcohol, uh, that can be just so much more satisfying and fulfilling. Uh, So Uh, To be, uh, you know, kind of witness uh, to those processes uh, is a really exciting aspect of of my day-to-day work, and and something I certainly see as a privilege.
1: Well, Dr. Polidoro and Dr. Karani, thank you so much for joining us on Twenty Minute Health Talk. We always like to end on a positive note, so if I could ask you both, and I'll start with you, Dr. Polidoro, what gives you hope?
0: What gives you optimism going forward? So, I think that the exciting benefit of treatment, the exciting opportunity to really have such a tremendous positive impact in um, offering a person their, their, supporting their recovery in ways that can be and may look dramatically different in a year or two than it did five years ago. So much that we've learned that we started to talk a little bit about around telehealth, around, expanding access. These are in many ways still, we're not there. We're not at the end of the road there. We're still very much in the beginning. And so it is a time where while we are all challenged and saddened by the crisis, the opportunity to provide treatment, the opportunity to help support a person's recovery is expanding in a way that uh, has really huge promise, I think, in the long run. Awesome. Dr. Karani?
3: I think uh, in in the midst of suffering, we really learn uh, our character. And the pandemic has been such an outsized stressor for uh, so, so many Americans. Uh, But within that, I think there's been a tremendous resilience that's emerged. And uh, and at the same theme that echoed throughout the pandemic, that we've come to appreciate uh, many, many things that we took for granted when Um, we weren't able to access them. So hopefully we can really capitalize on that momentum as things are starting to open back up, as people are now reconnecting with recovery supports, that there's kind of a newfound appreciation for how powerful many of these tools are.
1: Awesome. Dr. Karani and Dr. Polidoro, thank you so much for all the work that you do and for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you who tuned in, thank you so much. Have a great week and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today.
3: Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.